This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Bama Online Podcast. It is a Thursday, October the 20th. 2022, Travis Schreier, senior analyst for BOL, joined by senior team reporter Charlie Potter. And man, do we have plenty to talk about as we get ready for another weekend of Alabama football, the Crimson Tide, looking to rebound from that 52 to 49 defeat at the hands of the Tennessee Volunteers last weekend in Knoxville. We got some basketball to talk. We had SEC media days, the hoops version of that anyway, here in the last 24 hours or so. So we'll get into that with Charlie as far as Alabama's predicted finish on the men's basketball front in the upcoming league race and also some interesting selections where preseason all SEC teams were concerned as well. First, so Charlie, I mean, it's midday or even getting into the early afternoon hours of Thursday. Is it really Mississippi State week or kind of feels like we're stuck? We're stuck in Tennessee week, Charlie. It has felt like that uh, all week. And I made sure to kind of post a little more than usual today, or at least schedule some stories. And one of them is is specifically about Mississippi State and what the Bulldogs do well. Uh, I had the behind enemy lines this morning and then tried to do something else because you're right. I mean, it's felt like. We've just kind of rehashed the, the Tennessee game all week long. And that's to be expected. Alabama doesn't lose very often. And, um, I mean, just looking at the message board, that's all anybody wants to talk about, it feels like. But, um, no, it's, you know, it, it's been a lot of just what Alabama is doing uh, to kind of correct things, to respond the right way. You know, we've had some stuff to still come out from the Tennessee game in terms of just post-game and, and what happened on the field during the storming of it. So, it's been it's been nonstop really since Saturday night. Um, you know the drive back was hectic, not only the traffic in Chattanooga, but just stuff Oof. happening. But yeah, it, it's felt like we've just still harped on this Tennessee game all week, and you know partly that's that's our fault asking the questions we did on Monday to Nick Saban. But again, I, I tried to kind of shift gears this afternoon and, and start to focus on the game on Saturday. Yeah, it's it it, it must be what other teams and in media bases and uh, fan bases go through after losses to Alabama, because this feels like this doesn't feel Alabama like even after a loss, which is rare enough. Right. And so I would think the concern is, you know, don't let this game beat you twice, which is what we've said so often about Alabama opponents. We've seen it. Alabama beats a team that really had pinned its hopes on that particular matchup with the Crimson Tide. And then the very next game, uh, that team loses again. I'm not saying that's in play for this week, because when you look at this Mississippi State series, and especially just the last couple of years since Mike Leach has taken over there in Starkville, extremely one-sided in Alabama's favor. So the question becomes more of a psyche uh, angle, I think, for Alabama. What are you picking up this week from hearing from some of the players and then Nick Saban on multiple occasions. Yeah, I think that's one of the more interesting things, because when you look at the things that have kind of plagued Alabama, not only this year, but last, it's 
it's been very kind of uncharacteristic of this Nick Saban era in terms of undisciplined mistakes. They've they've not played well on the road. That kind of comes from a mentality standpoint. Um, the the penalties have really been an issue away from Tuscaloosa too. Um, and to hear Nick Saban say the team was tight before the game in a game that you know it's it's why it, well I guess going back to last week it was said a lot. This is why you come to Alabama to play in big games like this, to be on a national stage and you know, to get a team's best and for them to be tight and have anxiety and, and things like that. That was just strange to hear this week. Um, you, you usually hear um, just the, the approach of this team, kind of the, what does Nick Saban love to say? Make their ass quit. And it doesn't seem like that this team, has that right now I where think are the hateful the, competitors yeah where are they at right we, we touched about that earlier this year a lot almost to um the point where the our message board readers kind of got tired of it but it, it is a, a thing that pops up again now is you know do they have the guys that can respond and rally the troops the right way they've said all the right things this week um you could tell just the mood of will anderson on on Monday, you know, he had a quiet game. The pass rush had a quiet game in Knoxville. And, you know, he said that during stretch and stride on Sunday, he kind of gathered up the older guys and talked about going back to, to basics, to fundamentals and to, to doing the little things the right way. And again, the, the older guys, at least the guys that have been in the program and um, are willing to say more than one sentence when they're up behind that podium have said the right things. Um, and Alabama usually responds the right way after this loss. They haven't lost back-to-back games in the regular season since 2007. Um, it, it, you expect them to kind of be better this week, and it's advantageous. They're going against a, a team they've had success against and an offense they've had success in slowing down. But you know, I just wonder about the mentality of this team, and I, I think this is a big week to kind of answer that. Um, there are going to be some big weeks after the bye week, especially going on the road to LSU and to Ole Miss. But it starts right here to to kind of right the ship, get back on the horse, and and try to see if they can kind of live up to that Alabama standard. I think this has kind of flown in the face of some of the comments we've heard from Nick Saban dating back to even maybe spring practice. He has repeatedly, Charlie, talked about how much he likes this team. Mm -hmm. And I think that's still the case. I think these are a bunch of likable guys, Charlie, right? And you hear from them. We hear from them. They all seem like the kind of guys that you'd want around you all the time. But at some point, there has to be an edge to a football team. And it's tough because there also has to be an edge within the realm of disciplined play and playing penalty-free and all those things. And it just seems like this team has really struggled to find that middle ground with an emphasis, as you outlined, on the road. Um, do you sense some of that? Like, I, I think I've learned from this team to this point anyway. Just because Nick Saban likes a team doesn't mean maybe it's wired in a way that it's going to be able to do the things it has to do at some of the most critical points in the season. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think you can have some some turds or even dickheads, but those guys are going to go out and compete and be those hateful competitors that you need them to be. Um, you know, I, I don't think they have really well. You know, we, we saw the, the Jermaine Burton issue that came up this week. Um, you know, that's that's a, a separate entity. Um, I yeah. Think he's during the, during the game, though. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> during the game when it matters, we haven't we haven't seen that. And. I think, you know, Will Anderson, you could tell he's frustrated because he's a special player. He has that makeup and mentality that you want. 
But um, you need the other 10 guys on the defensive side of the ball, especially to do that. Now, you know, I, I, Bryce Young isn't necessarily that fiery competitor, but Bryce doesn't need to do anything else. Bryce is doing nope. everything and then some. Um, it's on tape just, with Bryce. Go watch yes. Bryce's tape against Tennessee if you got any, you know, not that we do, obviously, but if anyone wants to know about that dude's competitiveness, just watch the tape, right? You're right. exactly on. You need some dogs, though, on at the wide receiver position, on the offensive line. Um, you know, at wide receiver, they haven't had a clear number one guy step up, and that's no. not even going to the, the mentality of this team that we've seen throughout the Nick Saban era, as much so just what we've seen from these offensives. A guy that you can go to and be a playmaker that's going to you know, routinely have a, 100 receiving yards and a couple touchdowns. Um, I think it's good to see some of the younger players step up, and maybe that's what it takes. Maybe it takes some of these younger guys – you know, to kind of not be afraid and to step up, to speak up and to take somebody's job. I'll be interested to see just heck, even in pregame warmups, what the pecking order kind of looks like if there's any kind of shakeups, because again, I think you're right. Nick Saban likes these teams. There's a lot of good dudes in that locker room. There's a lot of guys that I like just from a coverage standpoint, but you know, you need to have, you got to have a Rolando McClain. Yeah. Look. You need some killers. Yeah. You got to have some, and look, and it's not just to pick on any one position because we can look, and I talked with Tim about this earlier in the week on the podcast. Uh, you can look up front too. This isn't to entirely pick on linebackers or inside linebackers, but you know, even Rolando McClain had a Terrence Cody in yeah. front of him, right? Uh, and even uh, some of these other inside linebackers that we've seen in recent years, guys like Mac Wilson and. Um, you know, some of the other guys, they, they had the Quinnen Williams in front of them, even the Raekwon Davises. Uh, you think about some of the defensive lines from four or five years ago that Alabama had. Even back then, we had fans and maybe even some of us at times picking at those groups like, ah, you know, this wasn't you. You would take one of those groups right now. And and look, DJ Dale had a sack against Tennessee. That's great. Uh, but sort of the concerns in that front seven have materialized in that a lot has been made of will taking the bagel at Tennessee. And I get it. Even in some one-on-ones, he didn't win, but there were other opportunities where he had a guard, a tackle, and maybe a back his way. And so that tells me there's a good bit of one-on-ones inside and Alabama mm-hmm. still isn't winning enough of those either. No, they need to take advantage of those opportunities. And you know, you, you would think a guy like Byron Young, heck even Jaheim Otis, and I think he's played well. And, and the things that were said about him this week were interesting because you know, Nick Saban said that they don't really view him as a true freshman. Maybe Jaheim gets even more run than he already has. We saw him a lot in Knoxville. But, yeah, I, I think you're just missing those dogs up front. Um, Will is that. I think Dallas can be that. Those outside linebackers can be that. But I know you touched on it plenty. Um, you know, that cheetah package can't be on the field all the time. Nope. And so, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see – what happens this week? Do we see more Jalen Moody? Can he? I think he's a guy that can be Brings kind of that, bump. yeah, that killer mentality. Uh, he's a sure tackler. He's going to bring it. We've seen that, and um, you know, I, I just think that up front, sure, you know, you're you're down Justin Boyd. that sucks. That's a the situation you hate to see because he was playing well. He but was. They do have plenty of other guys that have just been kind of there, and 
you know, I, I look for more from Byron Young. Um, you know, kudos to him for coming up after the game and this week and talking about this. Uh, but he can be that guy up front, and they need him to be. And uh, I agree with you, though. I mean, there's there's not that that guy that you just look to from a defensive line standpoint, even um, you know, behind them, just in the front seven that we've seen in the past. And it's stone people, you know. And so, and, and Byron's been active. Credit to him. You look at his tackle numbers; they're five, six a game. So he's active, and and he's he's making some plays and getting off some blocks. But, um, you know, it just seems like every year, whether it was even even Fedarian Mathis last year, right? Right. Christian Barmore the year before. Then you get into Quinnen and Duran and those type of guys. There's always been, it seems like, at least one guy, one war daddy type. And I think Alabama's very solid in that regard this year, uh, but but it hasn't sort of elevated. We were thinking maybe Jamil Burroughs, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Otis has been very good for a freshman, and I know what Saban said about him not being considered a freshman, but look, in some ways he still is. Uh, and you mentioned this in relation to the wide receiver position too, and I wanted to ask you about that. Based on what we saw at Tennessee – and understanding that we continue to be on Tyler Harrell watch and given the situation with Jermaine Burton here in recent days, um, more of the same you think in terms of rotation and is Ja'Cory Brooks maybe becoming that number one guy? Yeah. Going back to the defensive line for one second, I'm not trying to pile on to, right. to Byron Young. I just think he can be that guy and they need him to be that guy. Right. But from a wide receiver position, that's, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens kind of these next three weeks because I I didn't think Ja'Cory Brooks was getting maybe enough love before the season. I was shocked that he wasn't necessarily considered a starter per se in terms of just the depth chart that we got um, because he was a guy that Bryce Young late in the season when you know Jameson Williams, Sean Mechie were, were dealing with stuff that, that Bryce looked to on a consistent basis. And we've seen that at times this year. Um, he just like everybody has had an issue with drops at times, but Jacory's, you know, as close to a number one as they have, and they still don't have one right now. Um, you know, Trayshawn Holden had a, uh, kind of a bad drop at Tennessee and, and we saw him all start, um, yeah. less than we have in the past. We saw Kobe Prentice and Isaiah bond more and they took advantage of their opportunities. Hey, Kobe Prince had nine catches in that Tennessee game. And looking at that after the game, that was kind of surprising because he had a kind of a quiet day, but he was consistent. And um, yeah, I mean, would it be big to have Tyler Harrell come in and, um, you know, be the player, maybe some of us thought he could be or give them that downfield threat. Sure. Um, I I didn't think it was going to be on the road at Tennessee, him getting that first opportunity, but maybe this week is the the week with some of the issues you've had at receiver. And, and mm-hmm. honestly, some question marks about Jermaine Burton and his availability, because um, I made note of it on the message board uh, during the game. Jermaine Burton didn't play in the first quarter, didn't have his helmet. That usually kind of tells you something's up. Yeah. yeah. And then he comes in for the first offensive snap of the second quarter, puts his gloves on, helmet on, ready to go. Um, thought he made a big catch in the game, too. But mm-hmm. it could be a situation where you don't see him at all on Saturday and you know, given what happened on the field after the game, that would make sense. But yeah, you, you're going to need other guys to step up. And I think Prentice and bond have done that. Jacory has obviously done that. You'd like to see more maybe from Jojo Earl, but um, I wonder if that rotation maybe gets tightened up a little bit in terms of, you know, not seeing 
maybe six and seven receivers and maybe just four or five and maybe Tyler Harrell enters that mix this week and gets an opportunity. Yeah, that was, that was interesting. And this kind of sums up the wide receiver deal through seven games for me right now. We may not see Jermaine Burton this week, but it was against Mississippi state in 2020 that he had eight catches for 197 and two touchdowns. <laughs> so it's been that kind of year at wide receiver. And it's, it's interesting with Burton too, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but we will. Um, this guy's only a junior Charlie. And to this point, I, I can't think he's done enough no. to impress NFL people. And if you're dealing with some issues like they apparently were even going into the game and now coming out of it, uh, I know we've got time down the road to consider all this, but if a, if a scenario like you're suggesting, I think, and I, and I'm with you, if it is, I think it is, if it's time to just go ahead and start ramping up even more Isaiah bond, more Kobe Prentice, uh, more, uh, Jojo Earl, Ja'Cory Brooks, if that's your five, four or five you feel best about right now, go ahead and play these guys. It's not like we don't have a sample size at this point. No, I agree. And, uh, yeah, I mean, looking at this receiving core, it, it's young, but I, I couldn't imagine any of these guys testing the NFL draft waters after this season, at least not right now. They could. I mean, we've seen some guys do some crazy things um, you know, after the season and choose to move on. But, um, no, I think there's room for improvement for everybody. And and I think that those freshmen have improved. Um, Isaiah Bond can be an, an X factor for this offense with his downfield speed and just, heck, throw him a quick slant, see what he can do. Um, you know, he a, a lot of these guys have elite speed, but he's a guy I know – Tim and, and Hank were really high on in the recruiting process from just an athleticism and, and quickness ability. And um, we've seen that at times this season. I'd like to see him get a ball in stride or, again, a quick slant with room to run to see what he can do. But, um, you know, Kobe Prentice, I think, has, has gotten more comfortable in this offense and, um, you know, just made progress, been more consistent. And Ja'Cory, I'm a big fan of Ja'Cory's game. Uh, those three, uh, Burton, when he's available, you know, throw in Jojo Earl and see if he can continue to, to make progress, maybe a Tyler Harrell and run with them, see what you can do because the other guys, um, have just, there's, there's been inconsistencies. Heck, I'd even like to see Kendrick Law out there just from a blocking standpoint yeah, because he's, he's a dude, yeah. uh, but it'll be interesting just to kind of see how this position group just transpires really the next three weeks going into the month of November. I don't know if it was just me, but listening to Saban on Monday and hearing him talk about at least the potential for shakeup in some different areas of this football team, I still don't get the sense, though, it involves the defense as much after giving up 52 points at Tennessee last Saturday. And when I look around the defense, you mentioned Moody, and I think I know I agree. I like Moody playing some there. Um are there any other areas on that side of the ball where we could really see some, 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 some stirring there at, at some different positions? Cause you know, there, there were some really good players, I think that were victimized and mm-hmm. I'm not convinced it was solely because of their individual efforts either. I, I think sometimes they were kind of hung out to dry by the situation they were put in, but looking at that defense after that performance and understanding Tennessee got to give credit elite they do things at warp speed, make it tough. Um, other than Moody, is there there any other changes that you could see over there? No, I mean, 
I think the defense outside of Saturday has played well this season. I don't know if it's, you know, deserving the comparisons to 2016 like it was before the year, but um, they haven't they they hadn't given up a lot of explosive plays. You know, Nick Saban has said that multiple times. That's one of the the things he had been impressed with with this defense. And that didn't happen Saturday. That changed. And um, I was really happy that after the game, he said uh, a lot of it was due to mismatches that Tennessee was creating because they saw an opportunity to put a guy like Jalen Hyatt on uh, one their nickel defenders or a safety. Um, you know, you feel bad for DeMarco Helms. He's put in those situations multiple times. And then you start to wonder, well, why aren't you making adjustments on that? So, yeah, I don't think it's going to be a complete overhaul on defense. Um, you know, I think from a secondary standpoint, Kuley McKinstry continues to play really well. Um, I don't think Jordan Battle had a bad game. He was even voted as a, a player of the week by the, the coaching staff. Um, I, I don't know if we'll see um, DeMarco Helms lose his job because, you know, if you move him from safety, you probably move a guy like Brian Branch back there. But then mm-hmm. what do you do in the slot? Malachi Moore also got torched for a touchdown in that game. You know, is he going to be the star and, and open that up for another opportunity to do that? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, do you do you throw a guy like Earl Little, who was just recently cleared into the fire? I, I don't think so. So you know, maybe I, I know it's this. It, this is this is hypothetical. I'm not by any means saying this is what will happen, but I think Alabama fans would be happy. Is you know you you play Brian Branch maybe at star or at safety, and you bring Helms in it in dime situations. Maybe you move Kool Aid to to star and put Eli Ricks on the boundary mm-hmm. to give that a run, but. You know, those those guys aren't on the field for a reason. So I I, I agree. I think outside of Jalen Moody, I don't know if we'll see a ton of shakeup. But that's maybe if, if I were to have you know gun to my head, try to guess something to change. Maybe that's a look that they maybe give. Yeah, that's a roster locked sort of situation on defense. Uh, you got what you got at seven, eight games into the season. And um, sure, there are some some pieces, I guess, some rearranging of the of the deck furniture, uh, as they've said in, in the past and making some analogies. <laughs> and I don't think it is time though. I, I still think Brian branch is a really good football player. I think Malachi Moore can, can help you. And I think he got screwed on the pass interference call myself. Now, yeah. if you want to go frame by frame and super slow-mo and all those things. Okay. Bottom line was he got his head around and made a play on the football and he didn't interfere with the, offensive players ability to make a play on the football. So, um, yeah, I don't think it's quite time to just to flush, uh, a lot of different guys or even a couple of guys. It's just, uh, if you see this Tennessee offense again, uh, I think the plan's got to be better and, yeah. and everyone involved has got to be better. No doubt. I, I think this defense wants that. Um, I know Henry Toa Toa does I, kudos to him too, for coming up after the game. You know, I, getting first of all, getting down to that postgame press conference was a nightmare. I don't know why I ever try to do that because I never succeed. You got to take a cattle prod with you from now on and, you know, well, with these Alabama losses on the road. The, the problem is – Get Tim to pick that up for you. We'll yeah, get that expensed. I, I don't yeah. know how I'll get that one into the stadium. But <laughs> <laughs> I, it's just because, you know, you file the story when the game ends and then you have to make your way down when everybody else is already down there. And – You've you've been in to Neyland Stadium. Oh yeah, it's it's, it's a very all anyway. Yeah, it's, yeah. To get down there is is tough, but then you feel like you're in the wrong spot for the post game yeah. press conference, and then once it starts, they don't open the door on the road. And yeah. so me and really every other 
uh, beat writer that routinely asks questions after the game are standing outside, not allowed in. And you see Henry Toa Toa just come in and, and plop down and wait for his opportunity to go in and, and speak to the press. And he was, you know, short and to the point. You could tell he was disappointed, disappointed with his own performance, disappointed not being able to to beat his former team. But he was adamant in saying that, you know, Alabama will see Tennessee again. And I certainly think Tennessee, Georgia is going to be a great matchup and that'll determine the East. And I think Alabama, even though Georgia ended their season last year, they want to see the balls again. And if they do, though, defensively, you're going to have to make some adjustments to not get your guys into some bad situations like they did from a safety on one of the, the fastest receivers on Tennessee's roster. So um, that was really one of the most, um, I guess, mind boggling things is it didn't seem like Alabama adjusted to that. Um, they tried to play more uh, dime in the second half and, and you could see that they kind of answered a little bit, but then Tennessee was able to figure it out and, and still make plays from Hooker to, to Jalen Hyatt. So yeah, it's, it's a situation where this team could have an opportunity that it wants and they're going to have to you know, play on the road again at LSU and, and Ole Miss to do it. But I certainly think they're motivated to, to see these guys again. Yeah. I mean, you got road trips back to back to Baton Rouge and Oxford that aren't shaping up to be easy. And as we've talked about ad nauseum to this point, and it's no secret for sure, this hasn't been a team that has exactly slammed the door on folks in games played away from Bryant-Denny Stadium. Fortunately for Alabama, Bryant-Denny Stadium is the site for Saturday night's matchup with a Mississippi State team, Charlie, that, boy, as we talked about earlier, the last two years, it's just been uh, it's been ugly, for lack of a better way of putting it. And whereas Will Rogers, statistically, you look at his numbers for the Mississippi State quarterback, they're they're impressive, but in two outings against Alabama, zero touchdown passes, five interceptions, and a couple of pick sixes. So I think this Mississippi State team is coming off a, a tough loss of its own at Kentucky last Saturday night, and then the unthinkable tragedy here in the last day or so with Sam Westmoreland, the 19-year-old offensive lineman, passing away. Um we we talk about Alabama psyche, but but Mississippi State coming in in a in a really tough spot. Yeah, they are, and, and that's a shame. Um, you know, that was tough news to hear earlier this week. But um, yeah, it's you know Alabama bounces back really well after a loss. We've we've kind of touched on that, and and it feels like more often than not they're playing Mississippi State. So you know they've kind of been the punching bag for this team coming off of its disappointing performances. And you're right. I mean, you know, just looking at the last couple of years under Mike Leach, really going back the last four years, um, you know, Alabama scored 150 plus points and Mississippi State had top 20. Uh, yeah. it, it's been a, a one-sided matchup. Um, Mississippi State hasn't scored a touchdown in Tuscaloosa since 2014. I think that was when um, State rolled in as number one in the country. Yeah. So yeah, it was. Uh, it's these games played in Tuscaloosa haven't fared well for Mississippi State. You know, going to Starkville, it's always a weird game. But to have this game at home, um, to have a, an Alabama team that, that is motivated, that is saying the right things and has plenty to clean up against a state team that is coming off a, a disappointing loss of its own, it's not a great recipe for success for the Bulldogs. And, you know, I had a story posted later. Like I said, I wanted to kind of focus on Mississippi State after really, you know, just harping on Tennessee all week long. Will Rogers is a special player. He's going to throw the ball a hell of a lot. Um, like you said, though, he hasn't had a lot of success against Alabama, but, 
you know, he's he's going to throw a lot. He's going to have a lot of yards. He's had a lot of touchdowns. I'd be curious to see if, if Alabama's secondary can, can shut that down a little bit. Uh, and then, you know, State, one thing uh, that's interesting is they're really good at forcing turnovers. Uh, they lead the SEC in picks. Emmanuel Forbes leads the SEC in picks. And uh, Alabama hasn't been able to do that as much. So the turnover margin, I think, is going to be really important in this one. But again, you know, it's just kind of wrong place, wrong time for, for Mississippi State, it feels like. How about Alabama? First time all season that it's on the plus side of turnover margin last week at Tennessee, and it's the first loss of the season. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they don't need to be on the positive side of turnover margin. Although, you know, when you commit 17 penalties, uh, it kind of negates a lot of a lot of that turnover margin work. Hey, let's talk some hoops, man. We've heard from Nate Oates. We've heard from some of the Alabama players here in the last day or so as we approach exhibition play for the Crimson Tide. And then before you know it, we'll be right into the 2022-2023 regular season. But man, Charlie, I don't know if I like hearing about players only meetings when we're, when we haven't even, when we've just had a secret scrimmage, uh, I, I know. Look, I, I've, I've I've read about it and I've heard some of it, and I know the intent was to sort of nip this at the bud. But man, when I start hearing, I'm just of the belief when I start hearing players only meetings, and we're at October the twentieth, I, I cringe a little bit, Charlie. I don't know about you. Yeah, I mean, I agree to some degree, but then I feel like when you hear it in the season, or especially like in Alabama's case, like last year. Some of the things they were saying toward the end of the year when it started to fall off the rails, it's kind of too little too late at that point. Yeah. So like you said, nip it in the bud early, I think is maybe a good strategy. You know, we'll see. I think they've, you know, having the foreign tour, um, being able to beat the Chinese national team, um, you know, there was some confidence about this team. And then, you know, it, it doesn't help that they were down Charles Bediaco and Damari Burnett. Right. In the game against TCU, and TCU is a good basketball team. They really have a, a lot of veteran players, uh, you know. But to lose by by thirty in a scrimmage that we don't really know the parameters of, we don't exactly. know context. Yeah. you know. Regardless, that number's a little jarring given the talent Alabama has. Now, again, you have two projected starters not out there. Javon Quinterly not out there, so it's a lot of new guys playing against uh, a Power Five opponent for the first time. I didn't. I didn't really go into it expecting Alabama to win that game, if I'm being honest, or that that scrimmage, uh, however they set it up. But uh, I didn't expect them to, to lose by 30 as well. So I, I think just kind of rallying the troops, kind of focusing on the defensive end. Um, yeah, that's that's not necessarily a bad thing. You don't want this to become a habit though, and hear about this all the time. Uh, but I think it's good to hear that it sounds like Javon Quinterly kind of spearheaded this. I mean, the dude's not even on the court, but, and he's a guy that, you know, it kind of seemed like the team went as Javon Quinterly went last year, and especially from a mentality and approach standpoint. And so to hear him kind of take an initiative, I think, is, is a positive thing. But, um, no, I mean, it is it is strange um, I do think, though, looking at the, the scrimmage itself, you know, to see Brandon Miller continue to to be <laughs> the guy that we thought he would be, if not more, I think is good. Noah Clowney seems like he's going to be a real option for this team. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's there's stuff to learn from this. Um, being shorthanded is an ideal. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that necessarily warrants the players only meeting after that with that fact, but 
again, maybe the leadership on this team has improved. Maybe Javon Quinley knows he needs to be more like a Herb Jones this season in terms of a leader. So I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, but we'll see how it kind of transpires. As dumb as this probably sounds, I like players only meetings too, that I don't know about. Yeah. Right. I mean, if it's a players only meeting, why am I, why do I know about it? Um, it, it, it I'm, I'm a cynic. I'm a recovering cynic. Okay. So when I, when I, when I'm, when I learn about things like those, or they're not that hard to kind of learn about, I start questioning, well, was it really a, a, a meeting or was it kind of, this is, you know, what we're putting out there. Um, I like that Nate Oates is basically looking at this team to take ownership from the outset. I think that's critical. That was something that never seemed to happen a year ago. So I get it from that mm-hmm. perspective, but yeah, my, my right eye and my right nostril sort of simultaneously cringed, you know, <laughs> kind of twitched together when I, when I saw that. So, um, you know, my, here's my idea of a, of a, players only meeting at Alabama right now. Uh, call the meeting, look over at Brandon and say, Brandon, what do you think? <laughs> and whatever no, that, Brandon thinks I go, okay, good meeting. Good talk guys. You know, and we're good here. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know we were going to talk about it, but that's, I had Brandon Miller on my first team, all sec. I don't, geez. I don't know if, if everybody, I don't think everybody had a vote. I've been doing this for a while now uh, for the sec, but I think he can be that guy for Alabama. And, you know, he's a McDonald's All-American, a, a five-star. I know he's a freshman, but freshmen play a hell of a lot in the SEC. And I think he's going to be very important for this team's success. Now, they're going to have to have other guys step up around him, sure. But, yeah, I mean, there's going to be nights where Nados gives Brandon Miller the ball and says, go do your thing. And uh, mm-hmm. I think more often than not, they'll be, they'll be better off for it. Now, it'll be interesting to see kind of how he – um, just develops his voice as a leader. Cause I think that can be a positive. If he's someone that's not afraid to speak up and, you know, tell guys when they're not doing the right thing or, you know, point out mistakes that are happening, that would be great. Uh, we haven't talked to Brandon yet, uh, but everybody's has nothing but good things to say about him. And I think that'll come as the season progresses, especially if, like you said, he is the guy that, is is kind of running the show and, and people start to look to him i think he can kind of gain that confidence and and be not only alabama's leading scorer but one of its top leaders on the team to be clear not time to panic no one is advocating for that at this point we outline the scenarios involving the tcu scrimmage heck of a coach in jamie dixon at tcu a really good team coming back Alabama missing some critical pieces and again context how situations were played out how the the thing really uh was constructed I think we have a little bit of an idea but rotations and different things that coaches are trying to look at but it must have been to the point where the Alabama team at least looked at it and said we got to talk about some things that 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 much we do know now so uh we'll see how this moves forward for Alabama men's hoop, certainly a promising season. It would seem on tap and a fun season uh, with some of the pieces that Nate Oates and his staff have put together. Well, Charlie, I think that's about it, man. Always appreciate you taking the time. Thankful that you got out of Knoxville in one piece and uh, you didn't, you don't have any of that goalpost with you, do you? 
No. Um, I saw some some shit after the game, though. There, I mean, <laughs> people were, were losing their minds. There were people with no shirts, no shoes. Yeah. I saw several people that pissed themselves. It was, it was a prison was, break. Yeah, it was a prison riot. <laughs> it yeah. was it was wild. And I mean, like usually I'm one of the, the last people to leave the press box just because I'd like to get stuff done and be able to call it a night and go home, you know. <laughs> but I mean, that town was still you would thought the game had just ended. Oh, they were going to burn it people. down. Yeah. Yeah. And it's borderline Morgantown, West I, Virginia. I actually stayed near Chattanooga because I went Friday night. I went to uh, watch my nephew's uh, high school football game yeah. up in Boaz. So I just was like, yeah. I'll just drive up there, cut it in half because Chattanooga to Knoxville is not a bad trip. Good God. Traffic was terrible. Um, yeah, you just night, need to stop at Sugars and pet the goats for a while. Yeah, That's it. it. It was bad Saturday night. It was bad Sunday going home. So it was just it's one of those traveling is already kind of a headache because you get back Sunday and just have to start all over again Monday with everything to kick off a new week. But it's just like, it felt, it's felt like there's never been time to, to catch my breath this week. So hopefully this afternoon and, and tomorrow I can try Got to the bye week coming up. Yeah. Good time. Good time for that. I don't, I don't disagree with that at all. Well, Charlie, as always, we appreciate you taking the time here on the Bama online podcast of course. You can catch all of Charlie's great work right there with us at BamaOnline.com. We got continuing coverage of Crimson Tide football with Mississippi State on tap for Saturday night at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Of course, recruiting angles with that matchup as well. Tim Watts, our site publisher, and Hank South, the dynamic duo where recruiting is concerned, are going to take care of you from that perspective. Kirk McNair, a great piece of our staff as well. So we got you top to bottom, left to right, you name it. For Charlie Potter, Travis Ryer, thanking you once again for joining us right here on the Bama Online Podcast. Until next time, so long, everybody. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.